there. My name is Jonathan, also known as Die Womp Rat Die, and you found Binging the Force with the Rocky Mountain Fan Force. So this is a place where Star Wars friends get together, re-watch Star Wars shows, and we digress doing it. So you can find us on Facebook at Rocky Mountain Fan Force, and you find this show on a multitude of podcast platforms, and on YouTube at Binging the Force. And you can also find our new merchandise store, Binging the Force mypreadshop.com hey Michael's rocking the one of the shirts awesome um, you can also buy a bucket hat the next time thank you James you can also buy a bucket hat the next time you're fishing for answers to a Clone Wars episode mystery uh, uh. so I'm proud to be joined by Michael our producer guy Dale yep hey. still not death watch and James welcome everybody so today we are watching The Clone Wars, Season 2, Episode 14, titled Duchess of Mandalore. And you are Death Watch, it seems. I'm Death Watch. I'm, I'm the person behind the curtain who's trying to manipulate galaxy events. Are you John Bisla? What's that? Are you John Bisla? <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. I'll, go, I'll change my, my subtitle later to John Bisla. Pre-John Bisla. <laughs> He's post Vizsla. Yes, I'm post Vizsla. <laughs> uh, before we get started with the episode, uh, I do have a question for our panel here. Um, it's it's a short question, but it's a complicated one. Um, and it relates to this episode. So in war, in a spreading conflict, Mandalore tries to stay neutral. But can you? Can you be neutral in a war? Because there's always forces pulling to one side or another. Um, so what do you guys think? So either in your personal life, in our real world, can you be neutral in a warlike environment? Always doomed for failure. Dale, you go first. All right. Well, I think it's difficult to be neutral. Uh, looking at real world examples, like the conflict this past year, uh, whenever you happen to be listening to this with, with Russia and Ukraine, like other countries are not trying to take a side, but we're all really taking a side, you know, there's no, there's no staying out of something like that. So um, I think forming an opinion is important as far as what side um, you may or, or may not align yourself somewhat with and determining, is it a priority that I, that I take a side? Because it might be a deal where you don't, uh, necessarily agree with uh, an invading force or someone that seems to be overstepping their borders, um, but it may not be a priority for, for you and your, your, your people. So uh, it, it might not matter that, that you're taking a side. Your side might be just the third side on its own. <laughs> That's a good point. Maybe there is some new third side that you may have or an opinion about in a conflict, even if it's not neutral, right? So... James, how about you? What do you think? Can you honestly, truly be neutral? Yeah, this this is a tough question. Um, I think generally you do, you do at a certain point have to take a side. Um, you know, I'm trying to think about sometimes when you're neutral, you're looking actually at um, after the best interest of like your society. In this particular episode, I think it's interesting that... Um, Satine is, is really trying to, to keep them neutral so they don't get manipulated, the Mandalorian, so they don't get manipulated by either side or 
drawn into something that they're not really committed to do as far as fighting for one side or the other. Um, this is a tough question. Yeah, and I, and I think that's why this storytelling really rings yeah. true, right? Yeah, because absolutely. It makes you think about trying a lot to stay of, uh, Yeah, but, but because of corruption in government, because of Palpatine, because of forces, you know, behind the scenes, bigger than mm -hmm. her, they're trying to kill their neutrality and force them into one side or the other and thus bring down and destroy the, the peace and neutrality in their society. Of course, mm -hmm. yeah, they're doing it for other reasons, right? You know, dark, uh, Emperor Palpatine is, but like just the, that concept of whatever is happening around you, it could be so tough. Michael, what do you think? Um, I definitely don't want to get into the geopolitics of the real world on that um, because I think there's a lot of stuff and literally on a, on a weekly basis kind of changing right now on that. I mean, historically, yes. I mean, it, it has been done and it is possible on a real world, not geopolitical level. I mean, I know I kind of float around a lot of different fan groups and a lot of different kind of organizations and stuff like that. And those kind of, you know, taking sides and rivalries kind of definitely happen. And I have for decades steadfastly tried to not get into any of them. I mean, that's, that's, that's more of a personal kind of choice than anything else, but it's just, I, I, very uh, methodically have tried to never be in the middle of that kind of stuff because it never pays off for me. <laughs> I don't yeah. I don't think you ever win being on one side or the other on that kind of thing. <laughs> I, I, I think you more often are better off being Switzerland doing the banking for both sides. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at Trek fans and Star Wars fans, right? I mean, they're, they're, I think the, the battle between the two may have been overblown over the years, but it's, it's one that, you know, maybe media or, or other journalists like to kind of latch on to and, um, you know, which one is your, your favorite, right? Is it more Star Trek or Star Wars? Pick a side, right? And, and for um, me, that's, that's a particular one is having, you know, like I said, kind of moving around a lot of different fan groups. That's a particular thing that I have a very specific philosophy on, which is that we're ready chosen to be in an interest and, and focus our, our lives on something that marginalizes us from society, why in the world would you then try to build walls between you and other groups that are also choosing things that marginalize you from society? You know, why, why, why would you not want to further marginalize yourself from other groups that, you know, also have the same kind of passions and interests mm -hmm. just because you don't share the exact same interest or passion, you know? That's absolutely true. I mean, we, we try to be united in our in our fandom, just in general, our pop culture fandom, sci-fi fandom. And, you know, and I, I think when it comes to Clone Wars in general, right, like this wasn't a show that like everybody latched on to and loved. Right? So we, we've covered some of the Mandalorian episodes. Those are more universally loved. These, you know, they're not divisive, but it's just... Some people like them. Some people are just like, nah, it's not for me. You know, so maybe sometimes neutrality is just saying, you know, I understand other people feel that way. That's just not for me. Maybe that's okay. Cool. Mm -hmm. cool. Well, let's see how you guys feel today. Let's check out uh, Duchess of Mandalore. Let's roll tape and uh, see what kind of comments we have about this third in these trilogy of episodes about Mandalore. All right, fortune cookie time. 
Is it a tasty mm -hmm. one this time? What, what do we got here? It's a good one. In war, truth is the first casualty. Ooh, nice. All right, I'll, I'll read Newsreel again. A diplomatic mission. As dissent threatens to tear apart the peaceful Mandalore system, Duchess Satine struggles to protect her people against the escalating violence. Betrayed by two of her trusted allies, Satine now travels to Coruscant. There, she hopes to convince the Senate that a destructive splinter group, Death Watch, does not represent the entire Mandalorian government. Or do they? Dun -dun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's the battle she's fighting is, you know, she literally almost got killed on the way there with them trying to take control and, and be representatives. But yeah, we established back again here that Death Watch is in communication with Count Dooku and the Separatists. I mean, they're really financed by Dooku and really run by Dooku, right? I mean, or is he just kind of like just pushing the right buttons that he knows will escalate this conflict between the two groups? Yeah. Well, but but Dooku's got the connections with with the separatists, so it seems like his communications department is working better than Satine's right now, yeah. because the galaxy as a whole still doesn't know what the heck is going on. So when this misinformation comes up here shortly, it's it's easy for people to be swayed because they don't know any better. So as a communication professional, I'm not sure if I should be proud or offended by that. I'm not sure. <laughs> here's, here's a question. And I, I mean, I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but I want to see if there's any kind of differing opinions. Dooku does not know that, that Sidious is Palpatine, right? Well, he does. I mean, at this point? I don't think so. I don't I think he, he always knew. I think no one knows that Sidious is Palpatine. I think he. I think his whole plan depended on that. I think that that no one knows that he's playing both sides, that he's in charge of both sides, basically. I was always under the impression that Dooku knew that Palpatine was Sidious, and that he he wanted to be part of his plans the whole time, and he thought that once the dust settled and Jedi were gone, that he would be Palpatine's number two. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was part of his monologue to Obi-Wan on Geonosis. He's like, what if I told you um, that the Senate was being uh, controlled uh, by the Sith? He's just oh. bad at math. He, he, can't, he can't see that um, adding Anakin into the equation makes it, there's no room for, for Dooku. Only two there can be. Right. I, yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, thanks. I'm glad that you had I that. I thought about that. I thing. definitely thought about that. That does clear that up because it just seemed to me that the impression I get, and maybe just because through Tales of the Jedi and through the other stuff we've seen of Dooku, I've really kind of gotten behind Count Dooku and the fact that I, that I honestly believe that he's an actual true believer in the Separatist cause and that he believes in the Jedi needing to fall and the Senate needing to fall and I thought that that was because of more of a pure belief in Sidious and not, not, you know, if him not knowing that it was, that it was Palpatine playing both sides. So, but, but glad, glad to have that additional info there that I missed. So. Yeah. And I think that Dooku's always kind of his plan A is to align himself with the emperor, but plan B is also to kind of line his pockets to exploit the people. Well, I think that's, I think you can say that with every Sith that, that that's, that's always, <laughs> You know that that's always an aspect of anyone who's tried to have Sith leadership is that and why there can only be two and 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 there's always the understudy is always trying to take over from the master is that that's part of the Sith philosophy. You know, I mean, it, it, I'm I'm going to cross genres here because we just talked about crossing fandoms, but I mean, it's like on a Klingon ship where the first in command is always trying to kill the captain to take the cap 
captaincy. You know, that's just a standard part of their culture that that the captain should always expect that to be a possibility to any given moment that 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 your first officer is going to kill you. <laughs> you know. And I think that that's just part of the whole Sith culture there is that, you know, the, the, the apprentice is always going to try to take over from the master and from the master's standpoint, if they weren't trying to do that, they would, they're not a very good apprentice. <laughs> so Jarek here, he's trying to get the Republic to yep. come and intervene, kind of like usurp, have a coup, get rid of Satine here, right? right. I mean, yeah. yeah. Cause obviously he wants, he, he, he wants the death watch to be in charge. Yeah, yeah. And even though Satine got betrayed by one of her own people the last two episodes, she knows this is like a deep fake uh, hologram that right. you know, some, <laughs> something's off with this. Right. They, they literally have shown a video of, of, of people doing things that they didn't really do yeah. as a way of showing the rest of the Senate, who we've established are pretty darn gullible. <laughs> yeah. So the Emperor basically wants the, the Death Watch to kind of rise to power so he can quash them and Kind of goes into his plan of expanding the power of the empire well setting up the empire right yeah yeah i mean it's yeah. all it's all positioning so that you know yeah. so that mandalore takes a side and then takes the side of the separatists even though yeah. you know he he's on the other side publicly you know yeah as long as they take a side then right. he's you know got himself positioned to be able to take them out Right, neutrality doesn't benefit his plan at all. So, so, so definitely, like it's it's almost like he needs them to take one side or the other. If they side with the with the Republic, you know that serves his purpose. If they side with the Separatists, that serves his purpose. Neutrality is his enemy. <laughs> yeah, Th yeah. This this um, story for this episode is kind of a, a symbol of the entire Clone Wars that with with Sidious playing both sides. Mm -hmm. The situation, it, you know, is the exact same thing. And really, honestly, if the if the Jedi stayed true to their nature, and and I'm really hoping with some of the new stuff that's going to come in terms of the High Republic and and you know going further back into the history of the Jedi and everything that we see a Jedi Order that would have really more represented that that a Jedi Order that had less hubris about their role in the in the universe, you know, would have really should never have been on one side or the other. They really should have been you know, serving the cause of, of, you know, order, not, not order, but I guess justice, you know, yeah. Yeah. And, and that they're serving order instead of serving justice. If where they were serving justice, they never would have been on one side or the other. Okay. I think yeah. this episode really focuses too on kind of the strain that occurs between Satine and, and Obi-Wan and their relationship, right? It's very, it's very much tested. Uh, they both are uh, probably had very high ideals and opinions um, and those kind of clash. Yeah, my my uh, ideas of shipping Satine and Obi Wan took a uh, <laughs> a blow right now when uh, he called her hysterical. She yeah. called him foolhardy. Yeah, gaslighting there a little bit. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> that that jump right there is why this story was good for animation because live action watching them jump out yeah. of the crashing speeder might not have been as although good. it's not like yeah. we didn't see stuff like that in like episode two and things you know that 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 you know all of these kind of chase scenes over coruscant you know anytime you've got like people without even a a shield over them in an open vehicle you know riding around in coruscant is kind of insane yeah it, it looks kind of dangerous right <laughs> it seems like especially as fast as those vehicles are going over coruscant yeah. i mean just a bug would go through your brain <laughs> yeah <laughs> They need at least a windshield. Yeah, yeah at least a windshield because they don't even seem to have that. <laughs> so physics does not seem to really play into Coruscant that much. Right. It's 
stoplights. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They've always shown that in futuristic things, even going back to the Jetsons of all these like, you know, in the air highways of, of ships, you know, vehicles kind of going. And I'm like, I don't know. I, th I think unless you actually have computers running those vehicles, if you have if you have living beings running those vehicles, I don't want to be in one of those vehicles. It's right? <laughs> why, why flying cars will never work. <laughs> Not not in, not until we get autonomous vehicles where it's not humans, you know, or not living beings kind of controlling them. Yeah. So this episode made me think about Palpatine and how one guy can be this puppet master. It seems a bit far-fetched that he could manipulate all these people in all these situations. Um, it's not like he has like a group. Well, he's manipulating other people to help him basically manipulate everybody else. But right. no one think seems to like, ever see through it. Think it was like in World War One, right? So like you had countries who were kind of itching for a fight, who already had these divisions in Europe. And then sure. the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand just exploded that kettle. Yeah, and all these dominoes started to fall. People started taking sides. They, they were ready for a conflict. So I, I, I'm, for that real world parallel to this, I think there were already divisions in a lot of societies between planets and systems that were looking for a reason to fight. I think it's a, it's a, it's, this, it's reading the room on a galactic scale, you know, like I said, it's really yeah. just, he, a powder he, keg that Palpatine blew. Yeah. That Palpatine, Palpatine just had this great overall, you know, overhead worldview that allowed him to manipulate things just because he's reading the room on a galactic scale there, you know, um, to me, the only unrealistic thing is the fact that anyone, anytime ever having a holographic conversation with Darth Sidious wouldn't go, Chancellor? <laughs> <laughs> Chancellor, is that you under that hood that just really covers your face? Yeah. Nothing to see here. <laughs> yeah, nothing to see here. That's that's about the only way to do it. <laughs> but uh, so to ask. Getting, getting back to this story, yeah, they had this whole vote. She didn't even know about it, uh, which is, I find hard to believe. You know, she, she went off for a quick meeting and then, oh, we voted. It's, oh, it's, it's passed. <laughs> yes, the vote moves at the speed of plots. Yeah, and now she meets up with this guy that gives her a uh, a Game Boy Color, I think, uh, <laughs> some, some kind of Game Boy. That's a deep reference there. I appreciate that. Yeah. And how how many times now have we seen people on Coruscant standing on balconies with you know high powered rifle, rifle and, yeah. and, and long well, distance sights? You know, well, and, don't technology to pick up those kind of things. You know, like security robots watching everything, like yeah. our sensors and, or something. Yeah, it, it, it's another callback to Attack of the Clones, where it's uh, someone wants to kill um, uh, a Padme. politician. In that case, it was Padme, and they just keep subcontracting it down the line. Yeah, oh, this person they'll take care of it, and then yeah. It seems to be a recurring motif of like you know Coruscant, you know, an entire planet of like tall buildings with balconies like that. Seems like there there should be some actual thought process to to be preventing that situation from happening. You know, like like everyone on the planet is issued like a, a yes. headband that has like a, a force shield over it or whatever that you know. Yeah. That, that <laughs> Where are the uh, you know you from CCTV getting the cameras? You know, everywhere. It's like you know, yeah. I don't know. Some anti-sniper technology that's just given handed to everyone as soon as they get off a ship entering Coruscant. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, shouldn't the police be looking for this dude? Come on yeah. now. Beware. I mean, he's created like, enough of ruckus. You know, somebody should have called the cops at this point. So. <laughs> oh, here they come. I, I like the little police yeah. droids with the red and 
uh, red and blue lights, just like a squad car. Yeah. <laughs> That's not suspicious at all. Oh, that's her little um Yeah, that's the activator thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, her weapon that she had last episode. Her her pacifist weapon, so to speak. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. The demobilizer. Yeah. Her her her, her neutral right. even a droid, right? At least she's consistent in her beliefs. You gotta give her that. She's very uh she sticks it's, it's to for her, defense uh, only, not for offense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And she's she's so sneaky here. She uh, she fooled clones, police, everyone. But she's really, still a Mandalorian. I keep really enjoying the design of those Mandalorian ships. They're pretty cool. So this is kind of a weird plan. Uh, they think that you know if if the uh, Republic army do, do, does go there, that Death Watch will suddenly be heroes, but. Haven't the Death Watch been having like public bombings and things? Right. Like, are they gonna forget that? Like, I don't know. It's, it seems like a stretch. Yeah, I mean, clearly they probably have killed people and innocents, and as happens, you know. Well, I mean, they can be installed as like the the puppet government, somebody else, you know, running them from behind the scenes, or maybe they just start to do, you know, public works of goodwill and try to earn the the goodwill of the public, you know. Yeah. yeah, there are parallels we could make to, to certain countries right now that we won't. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Where, where an, invading, an invading terrorist force becomes the actual installed government. I but mean, yeah, there's, there's no way you could see a hollow like that and not go, Chancellor, is that you? <laughs> I like that I hammerhead this people. This hammerhead doesn't speak soul. basic, and yeah. so he doesn't know what they're saying. Apparently, in the script, he's saying, yeah, I saw her. She's right over there. <laughs> I like the uh, purple captions, I guess, on this. How it, When I happen to process this and get it get it set up with the captions and everything, having the purple descriptions of what's happening mm -hmm. in, in separation from the actual white dialogue. So, uh, uh, so this right here, that is uh, Umate, like the mountain. So that's yeah. the only spot on, on Coruscant where you can you see can the You can touch planet. the planet, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's one one huge city, right? The entire planet, which is crazy, right? Yeah, it's not like, like a only place you can naturally see a mountaintop, yeah. something like that, like a trillion people or something like that. It's insane. Yeah. That number seems a little ridiculous to me, but whatever. <laughs> it's it's a galaxy far, far away. Uh, <laughs> that rock, it also makes an appearance in um, no spoilers. Anna. No spoilers. <laughs> in another Star Wars series, not too. Yes, yes it and make, it yeah. made it. Debut in uh, Return of the Jedi, uh, the special edition at, at the end. Oh, really? Well, I know that. That's where they. When they're celebrating the. Yep. Oh, okay. I guess I didn't wow. notice that. Yeah. You so are it's the been man. around for <laughs> years now. Yeah. You are our own personal Star Wars Wikipedia here. <laughs> All you need a hood is in Star Wars. To, to yeah, that that seems to be the way to disguise yeah, your identity. No one can recognize you if you have a hood on. They don't have scanning technology that can, you know, move, remove clothes and look at your face. <laughs> no face recognition. Palpatine's cloak is pretty similar color to that, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe they think that's the Emperor. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh no! see her face through under the hood there. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, this Death Watch guy has better technology. Yeah, <laughs> special binoculars there. 
He's he's better equipped than all the droids on Coruscant. You'd think there'd be like, I mean, if London can have a camera on every corner and there's nowhere you can go publicly, like once you leave your house in London, you're on camera somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many hammerheads. <laughs> there are a lot in this episode. <laughs> They're like, we can't just have humans here. We've got to have something. Oh, there was a road in the it, it was a school trip. They're all, they're, all, they're all on a school trip from their planet. Right. <laughs> but Coruscant is more of a human, right? Humanoid centered planet, correct? Well, it, it should be a little bit everything, right? If it's a capital. Yeah, I would say it's kind of more the more this. It's it's literally they call it the galactic core planet. So I mean, it's yeah. the, the center of the galaxy, which it really isn't, but but it's really you know where everyone is. So I'd say it's probably. I mean, I'd say overall in Star Wars, just from a practical standpoint, the majority of the beings are human. You know, just percentage wise. But I mean, I think Coruscant yeah. should probably represent more of a mix than a lot of other places. I was waiting for Obi-Wan to use the force in this fight. And yeah, finally... why, why was that Mandalorian cleaning his clock? Come on, Obi-Wan. <laughs> that Spending. happens often. They get in like um, hand-to-hand combat with some of these guys when they can just use the force. I don't understand that. Yeah, I mean, it should go pretty pretty. You're not easily. supposed to force choke him. I get that, but, you know, <laughs> you can do what he did. Just kind of throw him against the building and knock right? him out. Yeah. It's a ragdoll. Yeah, that's always that tough thing in shows. It's like if you have a character that's too powerful and you know it ends a fight, where's your conflict? You have to have conflict. Right. Well, speaking of conflict in this episode, is anybody else bored? <laughs> Honestly, I mean, it's not doing all about trade routes. No. Yeah, it's, it definitely leans into that whole geopolitical kind of aspect there. I mean, you know, there's not a lot of, I mean, that that's kind of why we have that other plot. I mean, this is really the A plot is like political intrigue yeah. in the Senate, which is always so fascinating to watch. Yeah. So that's why you've got the assassination plot because you have to have some actual action happening yeah. in the B plot. Do you guys kind of remember the first time we saw the Senate in, I guess? Phantom Menace. Phantom yeah. Menace, it was, that was kind of cool. We had always heard about the Senate, but we never saw physically how they even did it right and it's in this ginormous cathedral essentially yeah everybody's got a box like you're in a, a music theater or not a music theater but like yeah. a, a theater for like yeah. plays and stuff like that like an opera center yeah. Yeah. and the fact that everyone's box when you're actually speaking yeah. moves moves into the center yeah. so yeah. you speak and you know you, you and it does give you the scale of like how big the galaxy is right because each one of these boxes is representing a system, right? Yeah, correct. A planet or a series of planets, correct? Correct. Yes. Yeah. So I guess the question here is like, if the first video was proven to be fake, why would you trust the second version of the video being any less fake? <laughs> That's a good point. Like, oh, this is the real. This one is the video is fake. Why is a revised version of the video more the truth than the other version? You know. Because they got nothing else to go on. Yeah. Well, it, it seems like as a governing body, they're just the, the Senate is so easily swayed. Like, oh, yeah. I can't believe this. We got to take action now. Well, don't they have committees that you know people specialize in certain things? But I guess not. You would you would think they just vote <laughs> on that stuff and they don't can seem vote to, well. Maybe they're like our congressmen; they don't know what they're uh, 
Look, this subcommittee evaluating the authenticity of this hologram. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't wait for that episode because that's really going to be so much more action packed. Is when we do an episode, an entire episode about a subcommittee of, of the. Right. Of the Senate, you know? <laughs> that's really going to ramp up the action there. Yeah. yeah. The one little clip of, of Anakin in this episode. Uh, I mean, Pat yeah. may get some good dialogue and a new hairdo. Um, so I'm glad they used her character because Anakin, yeah, doesn't even have a line uh, right. in this yeah. episode. Well, then they didn't have to pay that voice actor yeah. for that episode, but yeah. Right. yeah. But yeah, it continues to show a, that Pat uh, is, you know, is still very much involved in the politics, right, for quite a long, long time. Yeah, she's definitely one of the more prominent senators. I mean, she's yeah, she seems heavily involved. Well, of course, is the fact that her and the and the uh, chancellor come from the same planet. That he he was the senator until she took over as as the senator when he became chancellor. So, is there is there a chance here for Obi Wan and Satine? Are they are they smoothing things over? Uh, maybe we'll get together and bar later and uh, see what happens. I, I think his I think his Jedi um, commitment I think still gets in the way there. Yeah, I don't know. She kind of put him in the friend zone at one point. That was kind of mean. <laughs> yeah. She kind of put him. Well, in the, friend zoned. Yeah. And and I think right now her bigger concern is kind of the Scooby Doo mystery of who done it. You know who who's behind who's the man behind the mask. Yeah, I think. I don't know. I, I I think, like I said, I think we've established that Obi-Wan did have casual relationships because I think there was talk about that in some of the, you know, feature films. And so, yeah, he had uh, friendships. Like, two and, and, three and stuff like that. I think we did establish that he has a history, yeah. you know, yeah. but it's, I think it's that question of a casual relationship versus something that actually would represent an attachment. Yeah. Of, deep you know, emotional you know, kind of, yeah. Something that would be that higher yeah. level of a relationship yeah. that to him would cross the level into yeah. breaking his Jedi vows. And I don't yeah. think he can do that with Satine. I think, I, I think that, you know, they, they're, they've already had too much of a closeness and him saying that I would have left the order, you know, if you, if you would have just said the word, Yeah, I don't see that that's an option for him now. Yeah. Cause you know, it's not going to be a casual thing for him. Yeah. I think Obi-Wan's uh, personality though, has kind of given itself to being like that. I think he actually kind of skirts the line a little bit, right? You know, you I have certain people that follow all the rules and fall by the letter. I think Obi-Wan's one of those kind of, you know, maybe that's why he understands Anakin to a certain degree. Obviously, before they, you know, finally go to blows on Mustafar, but... I, I just think that in this episode, it would have made it more dynamic and more interesting if there was a little bit more interplay between Obi-Wan and Satine as they're yeah, absolutely. trying to run and mm -hmm. trying to like rescue or help her out, yeah. you know, and then here at the end, if they had to talk, like there's some pretty big things that happened at the end of the previous episode between the two of them. He's like, yeah. I would have left the Jedi order. I'm, I'm considering yeah. it. Yeah. They, they, and they, they didn't address that, that at all in here. It would have been nice yeah. to have a little bit of that instead of, yeah. So much. Jonathan, you're all about the love story. You just want the love story. You don't care about the the trade routes. <laughs> Give me something I can latch onto here, yeah. man. Yeah, I I think Obi Wan's personality um, is unique because he wasn't trained by Mace or by Yoda. You know, being so so strict. His his master was Qui Gon. Yeah. So Qui Gon mm -hmm. is someone you know that we know defied the Council. So mm -hmm. Obi Wan yeah. is very much an independent thinker. But I think in this episode he was very much back to business, you know, 
we'll we'll talk about that other stuff later. But right now, there's there's bigger fish to fry. I don't know. Yeah, it's been like a lot of like remember like sitcoms from the eighties. At the end, they would always reset back to square one, right? Yeah. Pretend like none of that happened before. No real progress in progressive storylines. So I feel like, in some ways, this episode at the end did that. Like they kind of reset where Satine and Obi Wan were. They're going to go on their separate paths again. That's true. They yeah. are uh, our little newsreel recap at the beginning had no reference to any of that dialogue between the two of them. Sigh. Well, that's okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that, yeah. I think that that's a, that is an issue with the episode is that, you know, there's always this reliance on that Senate scenes and Senate intrigue is interesting versus like, you know, they really should have had that follow-up conversation about the stuff that came out in the, in the moment of stress in the previous episode. We don't deal with that at all. Right. Yeah. Raise your hand if you're interested in Senate intrigue. No, definitely. Sorry. What, what season is that? James on an island, man. You're, I love you're the love story between the relationship between them. So I like both. <laughs> cool. Good Star Wars has both. So you know what? It's like, it's like we always say: there's different Star Wars for different people, and whatever is on the Star Wars menu, there's so much that's there, so you can find what it is yeah. that you like, and yeah. and enjoy that. Yeah. Even within these episodes, you can pick kind of what is interest to you. You're right. And I guess you could go try to find novels or more comics or something that kind of expounds on it. That is true. And, um, and by not answering all those questions, it still leaves that, that character open. You know, it, it's promising that we are going to see Satine later on down the road, that it's not just, oh, remember when Obi-Wan had a potential girlfriend for three episodes and then we never heard from her again? It, it's, it's good to know that there'll be more to the story later. Dale, that's a perfect segue. Nice. All right. There is more. Star Wars Mandalorian coming. So I encourage you all to join us next week. For We're going to be continuing to binge. We're going to do one more episode here of The Clone Wars. We're going to pick season four, episode 14, called The Friend in Need, where we do meet our friend Bo-Katan. And we will wrap up our current coverage of Mandalorian Clone Wars episodes. So if you're interested in learning more about us, the Rocky Mountain Fan Force, you can learn more about us on our Facebook page. Just do a search for Rocky Mountain Fan Force. So we'll be having a meeting uh, later in April so you can get event information on that Facebook page. So thank you, gentlemen, for being here today to discuss uh, the Duchess of, of Mandalore. And thank you for tuning in, everybody out there. And may the Force be with you.